Craig Brain is not your brain or my brain. Love it or hate it or something in between. Welcome to the squishy, alien middle inside of this dude's skull. Take a peek. Take a peek. Dear children, on this episode of Craig Brain, we'll be talking about the Babysitter's Club. Brought to you by this 43-year-old man, Craig Gross. My gray beard, kind of, if you're watching. But in honor of this episode, I decided not to wash my hair, take a shower, or do anything. Because that's the joy that a lot of us, or a lot of you that might be watching or listening are excited about. Not the fact that you don't have to bathe, but the fact that you can work in your sweats and not have to shower and not have to shave or even comb your hair, but that doesn't mean you're not getting anything done. So for me, man, I've never really subscribed to the thought of like, I need to work in a building or a cubicle, or an office. Now, I get it. Uh, I get that that is the real world, and it does exist. Uh, I get the need for that for a lot of people. I have a friend who's a six on the Enneagram, and he's like, oh, you know, part of me is just like, I got to put the tie on. As soon as I put the tie on, it changes my mindset. And then I drive 45 minutes to the office, and I get there, and I have my glass of coffee, and then I just, I go. And that five o'clock comes, and I get in my car, and I'm just, I'm done. And I was like, wait, you drive 45 minutes to work every day? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, I can work out of the house, but I just can't get things done there. So I get that that's a real thing. And I get that's why corporations, especially our parents' generation, like, hey, we bought you, we brought you in an office. We let you decorate your little desk or your cubicle space. And we gave you a lunch break. And and I think that's, man, that's been going on in your life since you were born. You know, whether your parents worked and so then you went to daycare, then you went to preschool before kindergarten, and then you went to kindergarten through 12th grade, 8 to 3, or now schools are ridiculous. Like I hear some schools are starting at like 7.30 and getting out at 4. For what? Like really, for what? Like, man, I couldn't figure out – I didn't know geography until I got on a plane and I visited all these states. Like some of that stuff that we're teaching or some of the things about – I mean, when's the last time I viewed personally geometry? I don't know. And so we're forcing people into not just learning what we think they need to learn. I have a whole episode coming up on on just school. But beyond that, I think the problem I have with school and the education system is just it's setting you up for now college, which is just, you know, a continued version of that. And then a job that's a continued version of an eight to five life where you're I, – I don't really – I don't, I don't understand that, but I get it. I get that that's our world and that's our system. And I also get that I'm a disruptor. I'm, I'm going to go, no, I don't think that school system's working for my child. Uh, I heard Rob Bell once say he's got a great uh, great talk for parents on just – it's called, uh, I think, Launching Rockets. And it's 17 kind of facts that – or thoughts on uh, how he kind of sees raising kids. And yeah, Rob Bell, the guy who said like, you know, the stuff that like – about hell. And then it's like, oh, we got to discredit everything he said because you don't believe him about that. Like, yeah, that guy. Um, I think he's a great teacher. 
Um, whether you believe with all his stuff or not, I don't understand half the stuff he talks about because he talks way smarter than I do. And so I don't know if I agree or disagree, but he puts a lot of great thoughts out in the world. And one of them that, that he said in Launching Rockets was like, if you don't agree with something, pull your kids out of it as soon as possible. So it's like, oh, well, we're always going. We always went to this church and I don't know why, but we just keep going. Like that mentality, like I I don't get. And and to hear it reiterated from him, I remember it was just like my, my son was like, ah, school's not for me. Like school was never for me. I, I, I hated every day of it, uh, if I was being honest, other than the days where I could like get some baseball card action and, and make some deals at school in order for the weekends to make some money on that. But like the whole thought of school, like from – Gosh, as early as I can remember, even to college, why I raced through three years of college is because I didn't enjoy any of it. I just needed that piece of paper that said, I'm qualified for whatever job now you want to give me. And um, so like for, for Nolan, it was just like, hey, I don't really buy into this whole school stuff. Neither does he, like, neither do I. So you know what? You don't have to stay in it and let him graduate after ninth grade. Um, and there's ways to do that. And, and that's my opinion or your opinion is to say, I can't believe you do that. But I think so for me, as I talk about ba this babysitter club idea, this was me working for um, myself, like my whole life. I worked at Burger King uh, at the age of 13 because my dad ran the place. And then I quit at 14. I uh, got a seller's permit and a business license and started selling baseball cards. Um, and then I worked at a gas station for some guy at the church for a couple months. I did telemarketing for two months. Uh, and then I worked at a church, I quit that job uh, three months into marriage. Uh, so when I was 22 years old to start our, our own organization called Fireproof Ministries and have always run that organization, have started a number of other things myself, uh, some of those with a team, and then uh, recently have been doing some work for a couple other uh, organizations. Uh, and that's really the only time in my life where I'm like, oh, wow, I'm not in charge. I'm not leading this. I'm submitting kind of to somebody else's team, and I'm fitting in on, on their kind of system. And so that's a, a company that's uh, a software company. And, you know, they're all uh, virtual as well. And so there's a lot of similarities of, of worlds that I can kind of relate with. But so the reason why I'm writing this and, and kind of passionate about this stuff, this is me 43, 21 years of running an organization. Um, and our organization has ranged from a couple hundred thousand dollars to I think at the, the peak years of our the software side of things was about $2.1 million. Um, and, and so and everything in between. And that comes from products and speaking and donations and events and you name it. Uh, and so it's a ministry, but it's also been uh, – man, I always say you can't have a ministry unless you have a, a business underneath that that kind of keeps all that stuff running and in check. Um, and then recently just launching out and creating uh, this Christian cannabis company and some other ventures, most of my knowledge and stuff when it comes to working with people is me sitting here looking like this, you know, um, sitting in a sweatshirt or in my bed, people give me crap about because I can I can work anywhere. Give me a laptop or an iPad and just get stuff done. And a lot of my role has been managing uh, projects and teams and people, creatives to copywriters to designers to uh, I mean just business people. I mean you name it. And and so for me, I don't do everything inside the organization, but. I, 
I've been a, a big part and, and probably the driving force of most of the ideas have started with things that I've, I've come up with in, in my head. Um, and then to execute them, I'd, I'd say one of my greatest strengths that, that I learned in some of those exercises I've talked about previously was just that ability to, to kind of see the idea and actually bring it uh, to, to ship that. And so to take something from start to finish. Um, and so I've never done that alone. And so I would say the first thing here is I talk about babysitting. It's fun um, to work alone because you can go a lot quicker. But if you think you're the, like, you're it and you don't need anybody else and you today, just, just to, to do things online, just one aspect of like, I know the online space. No, you don't. You don't know every aspect of it from front end to back end to social to SEO to, I mean, you name it. Like you're not going to be able to do everything. And we live in a world today where I think there are a number of specialized experts in any field that you want. Now, there's a site called Upwork. Uh, Fiverr, I don't really recommend uh, just because it's really low-level stuff. Like, I'll, I'll sing you a song for $5. Upwork's like, I need help doing this task. And you can literally, it's like a handy internet handyman, so to speak. And so they'll find you specialized people. Like, there's one gal. I've never met her. She's done, I think, 22 books for me uh, where she's taking a word doc, a design file, uh, which a designer does, uh, and that is how you get a printed book. And this gal doesn't do that. All she does is convert that into Kindles, interactive PDFs, and iBooks. She charges about $250 to do that one task three times. So now I have three products that can be sold digitally on the iTunes store and on Amazon. And they're all different formats that you need. And that's one thing. And so I just go back to her after all the design files are done. She's the, the last person on that process to get a book out. And it's just like, I don't want to learn that. I don't want to do that. I don't I don't know somebody out the designer that I hired to do that. He doesn't want to mess with the super technical stuff like that. And for $250, it's just like cool. So I know a number of people like Lori is her name. I'm saying probably 200 either companies or people that I know, man, you do that really well. And you do that better than I am. I I, I made a new rule and it actually cuz my laptop I was just finding myself doing too much technical stuff that I just, I'm not saying I shouldn't be doing, but because all oh, I'm above that, it's, it's not that. It's not the best use of my time. And I can be doing things that only I can be doing uh, when somebody else can be doing that. So I kind of made a new rule going, if I can't do it on my iPad Pro, I can't do it. I shouldn't be doing it. So if that's really, you know, FTP access or this stuff on a server or rerouting this thing, like, no, like somebody else should do that. And that's why for me, just not even picking up my laptop, I'm too tempted to fall back into, well, I can do that. It's quicker. I'll do it. I don't want to mess it. I don't want anyone else to mess it up. Carl, that one's for you. Um, Carl on our team. And I love it that he's just like so passionate about the things that he does for our ministry, but he's like, oh, someone else. And that's not how he talks. He talks like in a Jersey accent. And it's just like, so I don't trust somebody else. Get over that because you're going to, you're going to be stuck. If you just keep operating out of that idea of like, I can't grow my team. I don't have a team. Nobody else I trust to do anything else inside my organization. And I'm just telling you, I mean, that's not what I actually wrote about in this blog post. It's basically how to get work done out of people that you manage. So I, I guess on, on this 
version where I get a microphone and get to talk to you. I want to tell you that all these things that I've written about on the on on this post, they're worth working through so you can involve other people than yourself. Um, because I don't care if you work for somebody else or if you have a side hustle, if you have a business where you own a ministry project that you get to lead. Um, just in life general, this this principle applies of like there's somebody out there that's smarter than you on a topic that that, that they know more about. And this whole idea of asking and putting yourself kind of underneath that, whether that's authority or leadership or going, I remember like we were in debt. We just got married. I just quit my job. I meet this guy. He has more money than I had. He was a little bit older than I I was. And I just said, how do you guys, how did you buy a house? Like that was an idea that I would like to have one day. And he's like, oh, we use the envelope system. You ever heard of this guy, Dave Ramsey? And then he got out his envelope system, showed it to me and my wife at dinner. And we're like, oh, we're going to do that. 20-something years later, we still use the envelopes. It's a system that works. And you're like, oh, well, I didn't have to think about that. And I think there's a lot of us that are like, no, I have to think of everything. I have to do everything. It has to be me instead of like, dude, there is help out there for you. And I find a lot of people today that we hire, that we work with, they don't ask questions, they don't look for help, and they think their value to the team is just like, I have to solve all this stuff just by myself. When you're like, no, dude, just start looking, and there's stuff that you're gonna find. Now, here's the issue. If you are running a business, you're running a ministry, you work for somebody else, and you're in charge of something, um, there's a great chance, like I've seen, where you're gonna have to now trust a project that you're driving in somebody else's hands. Um, and if you haven't figured out by now, th in this whole Craig Brain series, there's a whole chunk in this, I think eight episodes are all about work and workmanship. So if you have no interest in learning about work and, and how things get done and, and kind of that's been a huge passion of mine and obviously a huge, a lot of experience that I do have in it. That's why as I, I started thinking through what to put in this season, it was just like, no, I, I've got to add in this stuff because it's it's been my world. And a lot of my world has been like getting super frustrated with people that you have to work with that have no clue how to get actual work done. And today, I mean, we're in a day and age where it's if you want a job today, you don't have to go the route of even finishing high school, even finishing college, even going to college. And that idea of like, oh, I'm going to now go make a resume and apply for a job that somebody asks you to submit for. Uh, there's a lot of people I work with that I, I met when they were, I mean, the guy who did the original X3 watch uh, iOS app, I think I met him when he was 18. I think he started working on the Bible app, which is one of the biggest apps in the, you know, on the platform. I think he was 17. Uh, now I, I looked at the guy, his name's Sam. I looked at his Instagram the other day and I mean, he's developed for so many companies, uh, a super successful guy. And it was like, Man, we saw him early what he was doing as a kid. There's a lot of people I find on Instagram that are designers. And it's just like, man, here's a couple hundred bucks. Can you do this? And then you see them gradually go, oh, wow, I don't need to maybe go to college. I have people that have hired me. I can do this. But I think if that's you where you have some traction and you're like, oh, now, cool, I, I have this. I know how to run social media accounts. Uh, we've met a lot of people that we've hired over the years that do that as a service. But then you start working with them and you're like, wait, do you know what? Um, yeah, we're going to have a meeting and we're going to have an agenda and we're going to need a Google Doc back with a schedule. And we're going to need you to operate and communicate and email back. Like we're going to need when we send you an email that says, here's what you need to do. We would expect 
that you've learned this some point in your life that you would write back and go, yes, I am on that. It will be done here. Like, if you're going to work for yourself or be hired by someone and you're that person that has 175 unread messages on your uh, phone, you're probably as good as you are as a designer, as a manager, or this, you're probably not hireable at all because you're going to frustrate the hell out of anybody you work with. So it's like you have to figure out that balance of like, hey, I really love doing this, but in order to do this thing that I love, I have to also learn how to do these things. Like one of those might be like, oh yeah, I get to work for myself. I get to work my underwear in my bed. But hey, that dog's a distraction that comes in. I hate being at my house now when I'm left alone just with Churro or my daughter's dog. Now Churro's like bites my face off, but like, cause I think she's just mad at me, but it's like, she's just an annoying creature when you're trying to get work done. Um, your wife or husband might not be annoying creatures, but some of you that can't put your phone down to like work, like, okay, honey, great. That's great. Okay, I'm working. So like we can, like we can talk tonight when I get home, if I can get back from wherever I'm working. Like I don't need 27 messages all day. I don't need ESPN alerts coming up on my phone. I don't need every notification turned on or a podcast, this, this, all this stuff coming at you all day long where it's like, I'm going to go focus down and I'm going to work. Now, I think a lot of people get excited about, I can work from home. I can work any hour I want. And I think that's a, a danger when we're now always working instead of like, if we haven't learned how to put some boundaries and parameters around ourselves. So I was driving the car. I think uh, this was, and I shouted Carl out earlier. Um, I think I left him this on Voxer where I just said, Carl, I have an idea for an e-course. It's called the Babysitter Club. And it's just gonna be a, an e-course and we'll make millions of dollars on this. And it'll be really simple. And it's for anyone who wants to kind of be a s entrepreneur or work for themselves or start a business. And we just said, set an alarm, step one, wake up. <laughs> At least try to pretend that you have a job to do. At least try to pretend you know how to use a calendar. Clock yourself in, open your email. Um, and it was like, these are basic kind of steps, but it could change your whole day. This idea of like, well, what are you working on today? When are you working? Like if you work for yourself or if you're like for us in, in all the projects that and things that I lead, I don't expect you to clock in at a certain time or work when I work. I don't expect if I'm flying home on a Sunday night and I blow up Basecamp or your inbox, you to respond on Sunday night. I'm flying and have nothing else to do. So I'm getting a jump start because I'm sleeping in tomorrow. So for our team, it's just like we have people on the East Coast, we have people on the West Coast, we have people in other countries. So we're all working at different hours. Now that makes it a little difficult on some ends, but on a lot of ends, it makes it, if you're aware of it, we have a team in Romania that does all our design. So I know that if I stay up late enough, and I don't work late like I used to, but by about midnight Pacific time, they start working. I know if I get up at eight o'clock and some people are like, don't check your email, do this, whatever. Like, don't believe everything somebody tells you. Like, oh, your, hour, your morning's your best hours of the day. For them, maybe not for you. Like, you know yourself and you know your team and you gotta figure that out. Like, I know for me, the first thing I do in the morning, before I pee, before I get out of bed, is I check my email, Basecamp email, from uh, for the sheer purpose of just checking on the Romanian team. 
because I don't like getting up before eight o'clock. And if I sleep in past nine, um, or if I don't check that till after nine, I have to go a whole day before I'm going to get anything back from them because the, the time change. So if I get up early and I check that email, a lot of times there's something waiting for a response from me that might be 90% there that I just need to sign off on. And if I can respond, I know in the next hour, I'm going to get that back. That happened yesterday. I was had to do a meeting and man, they gave me the revisions. I was at Staples when I got the final PDF and I printed it out, ready to go for this meeting. So I think what you have to do is figure out like, oh, cool. Well, I have this job. I have a lot of flexibility, but you've got to start figuring out for the team that you work with, what are those parameters where, hey, I should be working or I know I need to check in on these things? Not just, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. And then I think a lot of us get up and, and I talk a, a lot of just about this on this post, but we get up and we we just assume like, all right, well, let me check my mail. Let me check this. Let me see what I want to work on. And most people will work on tasks that are easier first. And so, oh, we'll check our email. Then we get distracted. And you notice emails set in a way where not, um, I mean, you can sort them however you want, but we check whatever dings in first. And so stuff that's getting moved down, you might not be paying attention to. And then we just go for the urgency. And I think, man, that's a hard spot to be in. I think a lot of people are just, there's a, there's a, there's a book called Getting Things Done. Um, there's actually an email system that you can, it's called a SaneBox, and it's based on the book. And so the book's a heavy read. It's super geek kind of level stuff. But this idea of if you want to know how to get things done quicker, better, more efficiently, this book's great because he's going to kind of walk you through it. And I think email is a huge problem. Uh, obviously, we're getting more emails than we're sending now. So that's why I think we're so frustrated with email. And there's an expectation, well, even more with text, that you respond right away. Um, there's some people I know that just have a have a reply in their email, just says, hey, I only check it once a day or I check it every other day. Hey, you know what? I'm, you're not going to get a response back, you know, within X amount of hours. I think for, for me, when I look at email, the reason why I like SaneBox is what SaneBox does is anyone that's in your contacts, um, they end up being in your inbox. If you're not in my contacts, I'm in a separate folder. So I don't see it in my inbox. I'll see that later. So I know those are all just kind of random people or could be junk, um, but it's not as urgent as some of the stuff that maybe is coming in from our team or people I work with. And then there's, uh, you can sort it however you want, but there's a, a principle in getting things done where it's like, if it takes two minutes or less for you to do, you should just do it right now. Uh, if it's longer, like he's got a sane later folder, um, sorry, the sane box, which goes off of his principles, sorts your, your, it puts all these folders in your, in your mailbox. And it's a way to kind of prioritize how to get things done. And the principle of that is like things that are going to take you longer than two minutes, we oftentimes avoid, and then those pile up. But you've got to figure out parts of your day where you're like you're working through those things. Um, there's a whole full follow-up folder on, on Sandbox, and there's a next week where it's like, you know what? I saw it. Hey, I'm going to move that to next week. And there's something about this idea, and some people just super like um, are fascinated or, or just they can't stop working until their inbox is at zero. That used to drive me nuts. It's just not possible for me at all right now to ever be at zero. Um, not to ever be at zero, but to be at zero seven days a week. It doesn't stress me out as much as it used to because when you know you have 47 messages, 
man, I don't want to be that guy, but I also go, hey, I need to prioritize some of this deeper work. There's a book called Deep uh, Deep Work as well that I, I'd recommend both those, Getting Things Done and Deep Work, because if you want to be effective in your work, I think you got to figure out how do I keep up with them, just the, all the stuff that's coming at me so quick, but also how do – no one's hiring you to just manage probably emails. They're hiring you because you you have a talent or you have a gift or you have a strength somewhere else, and it's that that whole balance. Uh, so my struggle with a lot of creatives I work with, I joke, like they never send invoices. They um, One guy sends me an invoice every like four months. And I was like, dude, do you want to just let me talk to somebody else, like your wife or, or somebody that would actually get you paid quicker? And you see like that breakdown. There's some creatives I know where it's like they'll do something really well, like take a photo, really great. And then when it comes to editing and Photoshop and, you know, filter, not filters, like Lightroom and, and putting um retouching those photos. And maybe not their strength, but they haven't identified somebody else to do that. And so you're like, dude, I'll just take the the card from your camera. Otherwise I'll never get this back from you. And that will take you two weeks. And instead of just, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm not really good at that. Um, so I'm not saying you have to be good at everything. I'm saying though, you're going to drive people nuts if you're really good at one thing and you pay no attention to these things because these things over here do matter. How you communicate, how you respond to people, how you talk about you know money and, and invoicing and, and all those sort of things. So when I joked about the babysitter club on here, I'm just kind of scrolling through this. Um, I'm trying to just be super practical that if you want to, and I don't even say live the dream, but it's I think for some people going to work in an office eight to five, like my friend who's a six on the Enneagram, I don't get that mindset, but I understand why that is needed for some people. Personally, I worked for about a year and a half recently in Burbank when my kids were going to school in an office at WeWork. Um, I've never hated um, a season of my life more. Getting up at eight, driving, like it felt like school again. I'm dropping my kids off at school. I'm going to the office with my backpack. I'm listening to sports radio <coughs> before I go in the office. And some days I'm just sitting in my car because I was like, I don't want to work right now. Like, I don't want to just go do this right now and sit in this kind of cubicle. But I guess for other people, you're like, man, I, I need to figure that out. So there's not just one way that I'm, you know, subscribing to you here. I'm just saying, we live in a day and age where there's a lot of opportunity for you, whoever you are, to do whatever you want um, and add value to a lot of different people or a lot of different organizations. And there's a lot of freedom that comes with that. Um, you know how many people that get kind of pissed over the years that I go, hey, you can work. We don't have office hours. We expect you to work um, and get your job done. Um, we don't have a vacation policy uh, that you get X amount of weeks it's just, hey, just keep us posted and let us know. We want you to vacation. We want you to take time off. We want you to do these things. Um, and sometimes too much freedom, people just go, oh, well, I, I just I just don't know how to work like that. Um, and one of the things that we have done is said, hey, you know what I want you to do is I want um, you to use something called Toggle. And Toggle just keeps track of where you're spending your time. I have a friend, uh, Jake, who recently started working for a huge company that <coughs> is um, – they have some program on his computer because he can work from home that if he's not active on his keyboard, 
it sends a message to their office. So you're constantly, and there's some shortcuts that you can't even, th- that you've thought of that you're like, oh, if I just do that, that will make it look like I'm working. No, and so he's literally like, I don't even want to stop for lunch because it can tell, like, you know, if I took too long at lunch. We're not like that, but I get how companies are like, look, well, I don't want to put an office, but I want to make sure you're working. I don't lead like that, but I know from uh, you asking people to use Toggle, oh, you don't trust me? Like, no, like I actually want to see not just the hours you work. I want to see what you work on. And uh, Michelle, when on our, on our team, when I started looking at her toggles early on, it was like, you're spending way too much time on this project that isn't, it wasn't a bad thing. It was like, we never talked about it. And I never saw that. How much time is going into that versus here? Why don't we just move that around? Oh, okay. That makes sense. And so it's a way to just, you know, there's a lot of people that I have never filled that out. You don't have to, you know, I don't work like that. And you get all bothered that it's a trust issue. No, maybe that's just going to help you be more efficient in the things that you're working for or with in that company. Um, And so there's a a lot more here. I would say on this one, I'm more, um, probably more interested in, in, in just you reading it. If I'll just throw out some questions. Uh, and, and I talk about these in, in the episode, you know, can you actually hit a deadline? Um, if you work for somebody and they give you a date, I make up dates for all my creative artists. For I, If anyone listens, they're going to now know. And in a recent mastermind, um, one of the hot seats that we had was with a project manager for a guy's company that she had just come on with. And she's like, how do I, they never meet deadlines. And I was like, here's the deal with creatives. Just tell them a fake deadline because you'll never, they, they're never on time. Like, and I say they're never on time. Like 95% of creatives I work with do not stick to a normal schedule. And it's not, oh, they're not inspired at that time and this and that. And so you've got to figure out, like, I would say, if I'm talking to you as a creative, figure out how to make a deadline. So people, when I say, you're a grown ass adult, I shouldn't have to, like, if I tell my kids to be home at 10, that's not a fake deadline. That's 10. If I need this project by Friday, I don't really want to play the game and tell you it's due on Monday and then hound you Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday in order to get it to Friday. But collectively, that conversation I've had with probably 40 people that are like, oh yeah, here's how we get work out of them. And it's like, so on the other side of that, you might not be the best graphic artist on the planet. But if you can make a deadline better than 95% of the other graphic artists that might be better than you, I'd rather work with you. Uh, so the simple things like that, because it's like, if I don't have to babysit, one of the, and Ron, Jeremy doesn't listen to this podcast, but, um, well, maybe. Well, Ron, it's a podcast. If I brought it to him on a tape set, he would. But Ron's been my friend. We've traveled around for years and doing the porn debate. And one of the values that I've had in that debate isn't what I do on stage, but they know that if if I go with Ron and we fly out of the same airport, I'll pick him up, I'll call him, I'll wake him up, I'll drive him the event, I'll get him from the hotel, I'll make sure girls aren't, you know, from the school. Like, I'm kind of a babysitter, even though he's, you know, almost 70 years old. It's, <clears throat> so I joke saying, hey, can I get that fee? Because I used to not, well, I still don't get paid what Ron gets paid. But I was like, hey, you need to add in that fee because I bring that kind of value <laughs> as well. And so all that to say is, um, Man, we talk about discipline, talk about just yeah, meeting deadlines, talk about distractions and things that if you want to work harder, not harder, if you want to be work smarter in your work, uh, that's the whole idea here. Um, 
And I think as adults, um, and the more you could keep learning and working on yourself, the more you could keep understanding, hey, you know what? I, I would love to quit my job maybe, and I'd love to go do this. But if your question is, well, how would I do that? Um, man, it probably has nothing to do with that skill that you're going to be hired for. And it has everything to do, if you want to actually make a good run at this, about integrating all these other things that are going to be needed. So that's the Babysitter Club. I had fun with it. Um, I hope it lands. See you next week. Thanks for thinking through Craig Brain. This podcast is only a small summarized part of a larger conversation. To read the full story, check out www.craigbrain.com and follow at Craig Gross on whatever social suits your fancy.